When you find that, stand with me, please. Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> We're moving through the Gospel of Matthew here. And that sounds awfully loud at this point. Even louder. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. We're going to talk about prayer this morning. We'll come back to the tribulation another time, but I thought we did enough of that. Our month, this month, is on prayer, so we kind of wanted to deal with that. And you know, uh, Eric, the reason why you learned a different uh, part of the, of, the gospel, of the Lord's Prayer is because that's from Luke, and normal, normally people memorize from Matthew. So you'll recognize this one, as most everybody will. I just wanted to change it on everybody just for memory challenge. Matthew chapter 6, we'll read verses 5 to 15. Matthew chapter 6, verses starting at verse 5 down to verse 15. Let's read together. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye even ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's, we'll stop there. Father, we are in need of just a, a focus this morning. Focus on prayer. And a focus on the fact that you invite us into your presence, and we rarely take advantage of it. Compared to all the other things we do, compared to everything else we work about, prayer is usually lower than last, and we're sorry. I ask that, God, you would stir up our hearts and challenge us, God, that prayer would become first, and it would become such a part of our life that we would be known as a people of prayer and as followers of the one who taught us to pray, Jesus. Lord, our world needs a lot of help, but it begins when we begin to pray. So, Lord, teach us to pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Almost all cultures and all religions pray using some form or another. I don't know of any religion that doesn't pray, but it's pretty universal as far as I can tell. People pray to all kinds of deities and gods and spiritual powers outside of them for help. They will make a uh, an idol, they will bow down to it, pray to it. Some people say they venerate. No, they pray to it. 
Then they have the New Age religions, which pray to themselves, and they pray to their inner power. But basically, people pray. At least they go through the motions. Most prayers I have found are mystical. They're magical in nature. They believe that prayer has power itself. Please don't make that mistake. Your prayer doesn't have power. God has power. Whether the world admits it or not, most people pray at various times in their lives. You say, an atheist? Yeah, atheists know how to pray. <laughs> they just, when, when things go really bad, they know to pray. John chapter 4, verse 22, Jesus said to a Samaritan woman who's just next door to Israel, these Samaritans, she said, he said to her, ye worship, you know not what. You pray to somebody you don't even know. We Jews know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, Jesus said. So he's very strong in saying, not everybody who prays knows even who they're praying to. Modern Christianity, unfortunately, is not much different than the world. We're not much different than the religions of the world. I've noticed that most of you have your phones constantly ready to go, constantly topped up, constantly charged, and yet our prayer life is, if 10%, is 1%. I've noticed that many Christians still pray like it's mystical and magical. They pray like they're casting good incantations. I pray a blessing on you, and I pray a blessing on you. It's not a spell, folks. They try and visualize. Modern Christians have been taught to visualize what they want and command it to happen. That's not prayer. That's demonic. Others will pray in what they call an unknown tongue. How can you pray when you don't know what you're saying? No wonder people quit praying when their incantation doesn't work. For most Christians, praying is really just the striking of a bargain or an agreement with God. God, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. If I do such and such, well, God, I expect you to do such and such back. That's a lot of prayer time. You know, I've prayed that kind of prayer sometimes. Boy, when you get in deep situations and your son's in the hospital, you pray and you say, Lord, whatever you have to do, God, I'll, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. All of a sudden, you start negotiating. You start asking God, what do you want me to do and things. I understand all that. But modern Christianity, and many of us miss the whole point of prayer completely. I know people who are wondering what fancy words they ought to say what big important reasons they ought to have to pray. People love to hear success stories about answers to prayer instead of how to just get closer to God through prayer. People sometimes even go to conferences on prayer, which would be fantastic, except they come in a way, they come away knowing procedures of prayer, but they don't know the person of prayer. And that's a shame. It's saddest to me if I could be quite honest with this crowd that this generation of young people will never really pray unless they can, can be convinced that they'll get something out of it. It's not something they do and not something they want to do. Let's convince me why I should do it. Are you kidding? They don't see any reason to pray at all. And in the end, most Christians wonder if praying actually means anything at all. At all. And yet God invites us to pray. You think about that for a moment. Jeremiah 33.3 3 says, Call unto me, 
Go ahead. Cry out to me. Ask me anything, and I will answer thee. I'll show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God invites us to approach him, to actually talk with him. You know, prayer is supposed to use words. Prayer is when you actually talk. Now, we guys don't like to talk. But you know what? God likes us to talk. Prayer, God invites us to sense him, to feel for him when we pray. He invites us to learn to rest as we pray. Do you know, praying is actually what it's like living in the center of the kingdom of God. Prayer is. I believe in preaching. I believe in reading my Bible, studying my Bible, Bible Institute, church. But none of that is the center of the kingdom of God. The center of the kingdom of God is when you're in the presence of God. Do you understand? And so prayer is that time when you're so close to the world that God wants to make. One day he will, when he comes back in this world, is made again, regenerated. But until that day, you can be in the center of the kingdom of God only in prayer. The greatest person who ever lived a life of prayer is Jesus, and he invites us to pray. I'd like you to take your Bible, go to Luke chapter 22. I'll show you how important prayer was to Jesus. Jesus wants us to pray. He actually says, when you pray, say, and he teaches how to pray. Luke 22, verse 31 This is the Lord Jesus. He said to, to Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as we. And that sifting process is one that takes you apart bit by bit so there's nothing left. And I would have liked Jesus to say, but I will defend you. I would have liked Jesus to say that. I would have liked Jesus to say, I've already I've already beat him. I've already stopped him. I put a whole, whole wall around you, Peter. Satan can't get at you. I would have liked Jesus to say that, but he said something to remind us there's something better. Jesus goes on, verse 32, but I have what? Say it with me. Prayed for thee. Jesus said, I've brought it to the Father, and I know God will take care of you, that thy faith fail not. Through this process, when thou art converted, I want you to strengthen my brethren. So Jesus here gives us, in Matthew 6, a simple way to pray. Now, if you want a collection of prayers, and sometimes you go into some churches and they have what's called a prayer book. Some people will buy a book on prayer. Read everything you can on prayer. But you already have a book on prayer in your Bible. It's called the book of Psalms. There's 150 different Prayers that David and Moses and Solomon and Hezekiah and loads of others wrote down as they prayed and struggled with how to get through every day. But it would take years to study the book of Psalms. By the way, we are studying verse by verse through the book of Psalms on Wednesday night if you'd like to come out, hint, hint. So Jesus summarized prayer into 66 individual words. Only two of them are three-syllable. The rest of them are two and one-syllable words. They're not complicated. Go back to Matthew chapter 6 again with me. And let's say them together. Just verses 9 through 13. 
Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13. You probably know it by heart, but let's hear it again. Matthew 6, read it out loud with me, starting in verse 9 to 13. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, it took 25 seconds. Jesus could teach on the most profound subject in the shortest amount of time. 25 seconds, 66 words, and wow, that's prayer. So this morning, we're going to ponder our Lord's example of prayer because it is simple. Aren't you glad Jesus makes things simple? It tells us that prayer is an open invitation to us. I don't have to earn the right to pray. I don't have to try to find a place over in the Middle East, go to, go to Jerusalem to pray. I don't have to pray in a certain direction. I don't have to pray with my hands raised. And, you know, remember when you were younger and everybody had to um, uh, set the aerial antennas in certain directions? There's nothing like that. It's an open invitation just to pray. And the simple example here shows us that God is listening. And this simple example exposes the main reason why we don't get answers to prayer. Did you know the Holy Spirit pulls every believer to pray? Go to, uh, go to Galatians now, Galatians chapter 4. If you're saved, there is like metal to a magnet. There is a pull to get you to pray. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. I said Galatians, yeah, Galatians 4, 6. And because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. And what is the spirit crying? Abba, Father. Not, what do you want? Not, well, it's about me. No, the Holy Spirit doesn't care about your needs he cares about your relationship. Yes, your needs need to be met. Yes, you can go to God and ask for anything, but he wants you to go to God. He wants you to yearn like the Holy Spirit does to just spend time with him because if you've got prayer right, everything else falls into place. One other note, Jesus never prayed this prayer. No one in the entire Bible prayed these words, our Father which art in heaven. Ever. Matthew chapter 6 is a pattern to follow, an example of how to pray. But they're not what you should say. God doesn't want prepared speeches. What you say to God must come from your heart. So you learn from Matthew chapter 6, but you don't pray Matthew chapter 6. You learn, all right, so this is how the Lord wants me to talk to him. This is how the Lord wants me to bring my needs to him. And then I do, but not with those words. I'll talk about that more in a minute. Go back to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 5. And notice these words, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. Yeah. 
and when thou prayest. Do you pray? What a convicting question. Genesis 19, Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. He seemed to always have a place where he and God met. Psalm 5 says, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. Psalm 55, verse 17 says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. When do you pray? Psalm 88, 13 says, But unto thee have I cried, O Lord, in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. I think those are amazing words. It's, it's, like, it's like, I'm going to interrupt you, God. I'm going to prevent everything else you're planning by me praying. That is amazing. He doesn't say, uh, excuse me, God, oh, when you have a moment, can I have your attention? No, by praying, it stops him, and he gives me his attention. It prevents him from doing anything else. It's a wonderful picture of just how God says, if you pray, I will stop everything to hear you. In the morning, I'll prevent you. Brilliant words. Mark 1.35. You're in Matthew. Go there. Go to Mark chapter 1. We'll come back to Matthew 6. In a moment, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And in the morning, this is Jesus, rising up a great while before day. All right, when did the day begin in those days in the Middle East? When did the day begin? Whenever the sun was up, or whenever there was enough light to get around and do anything. So, how many of you are up at 6 a.m. this morning? Hallelujah, amen. Good. Jesus didn't get up at 6. He got up a great while, a lot of time before the sun got up. Watch what it says. And he went out, and he departed from everyone else. They were all still asleep into a solitary place, and there, what did he do? He prayed. Our greatest example, prayed early in the morning. When do you pray? <clears throat> the biggest problems in almost every relationship is money, right? That's the second biggest reason why divorce occurs all over the world, but the first biggest reason why people can't get along with one another is because they don't know how to talk to one another. They don't communicate. And that's the true in Christianity with God. See, the biggest, part of, biggest problem in every relationship is we interrupt each other. We prejudge one another without hearing. We don't listen to each other at all. There's no talking going on. There's yelling. <laughs> There's expecting the other person to just do something. But I found that communication is a two-way motorway with no obstacles between you, with a speed limit, amen, and with mutual respect. Can you imagine driving on a road, there are some countries like this, where no one respects anybody else on the road. Can you imagine that? Think of the Philippines. <laughs> but did you know most relationships are that kind of... <laughs> communication is a big problem. And communication is a big problem between us and God. The testimony of a Christian ought to be a life of prayer. Oh, I want to be a successor in my business to prove that God is with me. Is that what you want? Do you know the most successful people in the Bible died early? 
the most successful people in the Bible um, uh, had, had less than two pennies to rub together. The most successful people in the Bible were not the success of the world. So don't want to have uh, a testimony of career success, have all your kids perfectly in a row, have a perfect house. Listen, the greatest testimony of any Christian is one where people know that person prays and give answers to prayer. You know what our testimonies are? Well, there goes Miss Complaint. There goes Mr. Anger. We have serious, serious problems with murmuring, criticizing. Ask someone about your general disposition. What do you think I'm like? Be ready. Be ready. But if you spend any time praying, it should make you into a sweeter, better, kinder, more compassionate, more yielded, respectful person if you spend any time in prayer. People here may never know how much time you spend walking with God, but they ought to see it. And you know, in heaven, it'll be exposed, and we will be ashamed. Do you know we have an awesome God who just loves us to pray? He just loves us to pray. Isaiah 65 says this, And it shall come to pass that before they even call, I will answer. And while they are speaking, I will hear. We think, God, can, can you hear me? Turn this way. And you're trying so hard to get him to look. And he's already there. He's already answering. We have an awesome God who just loves hearing us pray. And our Savior lived a life of prayer. Go to Luke, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Yeah, I can... Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Luke 11, 1, And it came to pass that as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, well, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples, you wouldn't ask, if you saw somebody pray just once, you wouldn't ask him to teach you to pray. You don't know what their life is like. But they saw, like John the Baptist had a life of prayer. Yes, he preached. He thundered across the Jordan valleys. But he prayed, and his disciples yearned for him to teach them to pray. And they said, Lord, we've seen you pray. We've seen God answer your prayer. Teach us to pray, too, because you have a life of prayer. Say, why did Jesus have to pray? Because even though he was God, he lived as a man. And as a man, he taught us how to depend upon God. See, if I was super strong, I would need to ask for help of anybody. But if I laid aside my strength and I was in a wheelchair, if I put myself in a wheelchair and I restricted myself so I was weak, I would have to ask Patrick for help. I would have to ask uh, Juliet for help. I would have to, to be dependent upon others. Well, Jesus became a man to become dependent upon his Father to show us that he will take care of us. And in our weakness, he will, he will answer our prayers. So Jesus didn't just say, let me show you how it's done. No, he said, let me show you how it's prayed, which is far better. Did you know Jesus did absolutely nothing without depending upon God? 
He says, the words that I speak, they're not even my own words. They're my, the words of my Father. The works that I do, they're the works that my Father is doing. He didn't do anything without depending upon God. So every one of us needs to make time to pray. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6, and let's look, first of all, about how you pray. Actually, I said first of all was, when do you pray? <laughs> but how you pray, secondly, matters. Matthew chapter 6 in verse 5. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be what? Underline those words, seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Check your heart. Check your heart. Would you, would you ask yourself, am I a hypocrite? Now, you won't answer that. <laughs> of course I'm not a hypocrite. Ask somebody else then. Maybe ask the Holy Spirit to show you whether you're like those Pharisees. Maybe you are a faker, an actor. You may look like a follower of Jesus on the outside, but so did the Pharisees. On the outside, you can pray for 20 minutes, but you never pray at home. On the outside, you know how to do your hands just so. Did you know at Maynooth, when they teach the priests how to do all of the, I don't know how many different movements around the altar they have to go through and everything. They actually teach them how to raise their hands, at what time to bow their head, at what time to kneel, to stand. That's not worship, folks. This is not prayer where you know the words to say, where you know how to make people cry. No. Jesus never taught us that. He said, check your heart, because the heart, out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, is what the mouth speaks. And is there anything in there that's real? Check your heart. You know, the word Christian means Christ-like. And let me ask you, are you Christ-like in your prayer life? No showing off. No showing off. The Pharisees loved to pray for only one reason. They weren't praying in order to get answers to prayer. What were they praying for? To be seen by others. Oh, I hope pastor asked me to pray. You know, most of you do. I hope he doesn't ask me to pray. <laughs> and I understand that. But these guys were like, oh, I want to pray. But they weren't praying to talk to God. They were praying to talk to men. They wanted to show off, I can use a bigger word than you. They memorized long, elaborate prayers. They used fancy seven-syllable words. They didn't care whether God heard them or not. If you ever pray and you ever get everybody's attention and admiration, let me say this, if you ever get to publicly pray and everybody goes, oh, that was amazing, oh, that was fantastic, beware, you probably failed. Because you'll go, ooh, wow, I did pretty good. It'd be like taking my wife to dinner so that my, kids, my grandkids can watch me and, and can clap and pat me on the back after I, after I acted like I was interested in her. Connor, did you notice I held mommy, grandma's hand? If that's the only reason why I'm holding her hand, slap me good. And yet that's why some people go to church is to be seen of others. That's why some people, when they do anything religious, is to just show off. 
how you pray matters, Jesus said. He said another phrase, he said, no repetitions. Look at verse 7. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. Let me give you some examples of repetitious praying. Back in the Old Testament, 2 Kings, there was a day where Elijah called all of the people together and he asked for the false prophets of Baal to come and cry out to their God for God to bring fire, for their God to bring fire down out of the sky and to burn up a sacrifice. And Elijah says, I will pray and I will ask God to do the same. Whosoever God answers, that is God, okay? So they began to pray. Nothing happened. And then they prayed again, and then they repeated, and they, they actually prayed and prayed and jumped around. They made an altar, and they're standing on the altar, and they're cutting themselves, and blood is going everywhere, and they're crying out, and Elijah starts to laugh. I mean, you have to laugh, going, maybe he's on the toilet. That's what he said. Uh, maybe he's on a holiday. Maybe he can't hear you. Say it a little louder. And they're going over and over and over. Baal, hear us. Baal, hear us. Over and over and over. And nobody answers. So Elijah gets over and almost nobody could hear him. And he began to raise his hand. He bowed his head and began to pray. And he prayed 63 words. Kind of cute. Almost as short as the Lord's Prayer. A little shorter. And the fire of God fell. And the altar was destroyed. And the water was licked up. Prayer. It's not based on how loud you can be or how many times you repeat. I, uh, I know of prayer vigils where people go, go and they are worn down through the hypnosis of repetitive prayers. I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral and you hear a, a couple of dozen decades of, of prayer. You know what that is? That's cult. That easily manipulates people after they keep repeating. They're not thinking anymore. They've switched off. How about saying the same things over and over and over? You think it's spiritual when you say, Oh, Lord, hear me. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, hear me. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. How about this one? Oh, God, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, dear loving Heavenly Father, Father in Heaven. Get on with it, man. <laughs> Somebody comes up to me and says, Oh, Pastor, Pastor Craig, Craig, Pastor, Pastor Craig, Brother Ledbetter, Pastor, oh, Pastor. Get on with it. How about, oh, Lord, I, Lord, well, Lord, could you some help? Lord, Lord, help, Lord, oh, help me, Lord, Lord, dear Lord, would you slap him? How about, hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and in the hour of our death, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, you see what's going on? Jesus, don't do that. It's not prayer. Now, most people don't know that. They've been taught from a child. That's how you pray. Let me tell you, that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus didn't say, get you a prayer and repeat it over and over and over. They're not prayers. They're fluff. <laughs> when I was in secondary school, I learned about fluff. Are you ready? I'd have to write a report. And the teacher would say, I expect the report to be 10 pages double-spaced, typed, hunt and peck. And so what did I do? I'd write a four-page, I could only get four pages. And so when I'm typing it out, I put a lot of ands and um, in conclusion. And, and, uh, and I would add a lot of extra words, and it'd come up to ten pages. But it was only four pages worth of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? And a lot of people think that by much speaking, God's going to be impressed. No. There is no need to constantly repeat yourself. 
Go to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20, verse 46. Luke 20, 46, beware of the scribes. The scribes were the copyists of the scriptures. Luke 20, 46. Beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes. Where have you seen that? And they love greetings in the markets. Oh, Father, oh, Father, so-and-so. And they love sitting in the highest seats in the synagogues in the chief rooms at feasts. Verse 47, yet they devour widows' houses. They take them from a widow. And for a show, make long prayers. What does Jesus say? The same shall receive greater damnation. You know, it may sound religious when somebody can just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, but it is repulsive to God. You know what you need to do? Just pray. Just ask God for what you need. James 4.2 says, You lust and you have not. You kill and you desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, Christians. Yet you have not. Why? Because ye ask not. Now, pray in private mainly. Back there in six, chapter 6, verse 6, When thou prayest, Enter into thy closet. Now, how big do you think the closets were in those days? What do you think, Clive? Were they big walk-in closets? Oh, I just love my house. Oh. <laughs> that, that closet, when Jesus said, go into the closet, they're like, what? We have a, we have a, a chest. We have a, a closed chest. Or we have the smallest section of our tent or of our house that is the place where we put our clothes. And Jesus said, find the place where nobody thinks you'll be. Find the place that you just, just may be the hardest to get into, but make that place the place where you privately pray. There in Matthew chapter 14, it says, When he had sent the multitudes away, he went into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. You know, oftentimes the disciples couldn't find where Jesus was. You know why? Because he needed to be alone. Do you ever feel that? That's when, that's when you really can pray. Pray in private. Find a place where no one will find you, where no one will expect you to be. You ought to do most of your prayer when people are not looking. They ought to know you're a man of prayer, not because they see you praying, but because they see a difference in you. They see that there's somebody who seems to walk with God. They just seem to. You know, when, when it comes to giving, can you imagine if somebody came in and they got a big wad of 50s and said, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to make sure that, that you all see me put this big wad of 50s. It's about 1,000 euros. I'm going to put it in your offering box. God bless you all. I just want to be a giver today. Puts it in and walks out. You know what that guy got? His reward. You see, if somebody comes in to show off how much he's given, God doesn't want it. The Bible says if your right hand is giving, your left hand shouldn't even see it. And you know, when you're praying, the world shouldn't know. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, stop because I am going to pray. It's not how we pray. Our time of prayer is private and invisible to the world. But sometimes you do pray in public sometimes. 
Do you know there's great power in, in unified prayer? 1 Timothy chapter 2 says this. You don't have to go there. Let me say it. I will therefore, Paul says, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So, ladies and gentlemen, if it ever comes time where somebody asks you to pray publicly, pray. Pray anywhere. Make every place a place of prayer when needed. Example, go to the hospital. Make sure you grab their hand and you pray with them. Don't just, don't, don't just say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you're going through this. Pray, dear God, give them strength. God, help me, help me be a blessing to them and a help to them. You say, well, well, then people are seeing me. Yes, but they see somebody bringing God into that situation as a person of prayer. Sometimes it's public. Before you get ready to sit down to eat, don't let everybody be carnivores. Let everybody be Christian. Say, stop, put the food down, let's thank God. Amen. It's time to pray and thank God for food or or whatever God has given you that day, thank God. Maybe you're at your office and you're getting ready to open up your sack lunch. You got peanut butter again. Thank God. Woo! Glory to God. So I want to praise you a lot, Lord. When you first wake up, when you're getting into bed, probably the most influential time in a child's life is when they hear mama at the side of the bed crying in prayer. That'll change a kid. Just make sure it's natural. Hmm. Some of you have been married for a while. How long you've been married, let me ask you, and you still don't know how to talk to one another? It's the same with Christianity. You need to make prayer so natural to the way you think. Not something you only do when you're required. Colossians 4.2 says, continue in prayer. Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. It's just, it just becomes my nature. I just love to pray and talk to God, not while you're driving. Don't close your eyes. You can talk to him with your eyes open that time. And then Jesus says something amazing. He gives us the five parts of prayer back in Matthew chapter 6. Let me give you these and then we'll summarize and go home. His short example gives us the five ingredients to praying, the five parts of it. And the first starts with God. Look at verse 9. He says this, After this manner, therefore, pray ye our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know what all that is? Worship. It's strong worship. Do you know, if you got nothing else done in your prayer time, you just thanked God and praised God for being God. You've done a lot of praying because that foundation of just worship, you know, somebody, somebody comes along and tries to be an encouragement to me and, and just, just finds out how I'm doing and just says, you're the best pastor, hint, hint, uh, pastor, I, I, I love you. I just want you to know um, uh, you, you, you've been a friend to me. You know what? If they ask me for 20 euros, I give them 50. Amen. And you would too. Somebody comes up and says, hey, give me 50 euros. I go, go away. But somebody comes up and, and tries to honor and just lift up somebody. Now, none of us deserve that. I'm using a poor example. I'm saying, aren't we quick to say, man, what do you need? 
But man, when I go to God and I just start praising Him and thinking about who He is and how good He is and thanking Him over and over and thinking about all the good things in my life because of Him, when I pray, He says, what do you need? Worship. Worship means to show the worth of someone. Look up to Him. You know, when He says... Father, you're in heaven. You know what you're saying? I'm at the dirt. I look up to you. We're not equal. We don't see eye to eye. I don't understand your ways. You're in heaven. I'm down here. Therefore, I look to you. You are greater, mightier. You're, you're bigger, and I trust you. Look up to him. I looked up to my older brother. I still do. My older brother was an amazing brother. It, it, it really... There are some key people in my life that I looked up to. My grandfather was one of them. My older brother still is somebody who I just love to talk to because I look up to him. He's six years older than I am, and it's not, it's, it's, not, it's not like anything I've ever can explain to anybody else other than he just is somebody that if I ask for advice, I know he'll give me good advice. I look up to him. I look up to God. My Father, which is in heaven, I look up to you. And then treasure his name. Hallowed is thy name. Holy is thy name. Do you know, every one of us, if somebody digs deep enough, they'll find soil. They'll find a tainted background. They'll find something wrong. But that name has no taint. That name is nothing but holy. That name is pure, is, is, is right, is clean. It, it, just that name makes angels bow makes demons scream and flee. Holy is your name. So you start to pray simply because of who God is. Somebody in the room might say, well, I don't talk that way. Learn to. Because that's what Jesus was saying. Pray this way. Secondly, make sure your only want is one thing. You may have lots of needs, but your one want is Thy kingdom come. There in verse 10. Thy kingdom come. Just stop on that. The Christian's greatest desire should be for the kingdom of God to be here. To be in us. And then in everyone around us. Matthew 6.33. Go down to the last, take it to the last verse in the chapter. Matthew 6.33. But seek ye first your needs. Is that what it says? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. Seek his righteousness and all everything else, all these things will be added unto you. Men throughout millenniums have fought to establish kingdoms and empires. We seek a better kingdom. Not our own kingdom. We don't pray for our own wealth and our prosperity. We don't yearn to expand the kingdom of England. We don't want the kingdom of France to do well. We don't want the czars to rise again. You know what we want is for the kingdom of God to finally come. Amen? And it will come. It'll come one of these days when Jesus comes back. You know what the last prayer in the Bible? Even so come, Lord Jesus. Amen? It's a good prayer to pray. Lord, I wish your kingdom was here. I'm fed up with ours. <laughs> I'd like you to take over. Fina Gale is not doing so well. 
My only wants is for God's kingdom. You know, if you get that, again, if you just pray, if you just want the kingdom of God, everything else becomes, okay, I really don't need this, and I don't really need that. I, I need my life to be right so that God can save somebody, so that I, God can use me to give the gospel out. It changes the way you pray, folks, when you seek that kingdom. Then he says you need to seek the will of God. It goes on in verse 10, he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, that's the hardest part of any prayer. The hardest part is to ask God to do His will in your life. Letting God take away whatever He wants. That's hard, isn't it? Letting God leave you, lead you wherever He wants. Ask Jonah how easy that was. Jonah, I want you to go preach to people you hate. <laughs> no way, God. Thy will be done. Hard to pray. Asking, letting God tell you to love whoever He wants you to love. Well, that would be easy. Lord, just tell me who to love. Gomer. How many of you know the book of Hosea? God told Gomer, sorry, told Hosea, a prophet, a godly man, to marry, to love and to marry a harlot who would not be faithful to him. And he said, love her like I have loved Israel. And when she left, he said, go after her and bring her home. When God asks you to do some things, it won't always make sense or it'll be easy. And yet, when, when was the last time you prayed, thy will be done? Go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 4. You know what's lacking in our prayer time? Worship. The will of God. You know, it would be sad if you've never said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? It'd be really sad if there are Christians in this room who are sitting in their seat and they don't mind pastor, they don't mind uh, Brother Dan, they don't mind Brother Andrew, they don't mind a few little eccentrics like Eric and others, you know, to, to do all that stuff. But we're going to sit here and be satisfied. Let me tell you, you're missing everything. Because when you pray, every time you pray, it ought to come out of your lips. Lord, what about today? How will you use me today? What do you want me to do today? What is it you want with my life? Because if God doesn't have it, there's one other person who will. And it's not you. It'll be the devil. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 4. He fell to the earth. This is Saul of Tarsus. And he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why are you fighting me? And Saul said back, who art thou, Lord? <laughs> And he said, yep, it's in the Greek. I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, Saul, trembling and astonished, said the second greatest prayer anybody could ever pray. Say, what's the first? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. But the second greatest prayer that any Christian can pray is, Lord, what will thou have me to do? The Lord said unto him, Arise, get up and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. You know what Psalm 40, verse 8 says? I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is written within my heart. I just love doing whatever you want me to do. That is a goal. I want to get there. 
seek God's will in your prayer life, what do we normally seek? Our will, our wants, our desires, our needs. Starts off with worship. Secondly, the will of God. Well, the kingdom of God. And then the will of God. Number four, then comes the big thing. I'm going to show you why most of us don't get answers to prayer. And it's terrifying. Look at verse 12, and then we'll go down to verse 14. Verse 12 says, And forgive us our debts. What's that next little two-letter word? As. Do you see that? And forgive us our debts, our debts to you, God, as we forgive our debtors. Go down to verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, it goes for women too, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Did you know everyone who ever stands or kneels before God is in need of forgiveness? Yeah. I don't know of ever a time where I bowed before God and said, God, I'm fine. <laughs> Lord, everything's clean. No problems here. I haven't struggled with anything. I don't... You need to just realize, I wrote this down and I go, this is terrifying. Anyone who ever stands or kneels before God is always in need of forgiveness. Would you agree with that? Prove me wrong. There are no exceptions. I have pondered this this week. Your very existence before God is selfish, self-centered, self-serving. You only think of yourself. The only reason why most of us ever pray is to get, not to worship. Do you ever check yourself out, look at yourself in the mirror of God's Word, and see yourself as the arrogant, proud, big-headed, pig-headed person you really are? No, you don't. Do you ever see yourself as impatient like we are? It is such a sin. I think I told you the story. When I went to Bible college, I was a brand-new Christian. I didn't realize how many old habits, how, many, how much of old me had to be dealt with. I'm standing in line at the cafeteria. We had a cafeteria on campus. We're all, it's 5 o'clock in the evening, well, 4.55, we're standing in line. I'm number two in line. There's a guy ahead of me, and the guy's got his watch, and he's got one of those fancy, I don't know if you remember, the watches that had the little push buttons on there. He could type information into his watch years and years ago. It was, it was really geeky. Anyway, he's standing there looking at his watch, and he's got a hold of those doors, and he's looking at that clock on the back of the wall in the cafeteria. They're busy setting up everything, getting everything ready. At 5 o'clock, they're supposed to open the door. Well, his watch goes 5. That watch inside the door uh, at the back of the wall goes 5, and he starts going, open the door. I'm hungry. <laughs> and I looked, and I went, Lord, save me from impatience. I saw myself. Amen. Do you see yourself? How about covetous? You know what this world is. Somebody gets a new phone. What is that, a Samsung Galaxy S27? Is it an iPhone 94? You know, when we did, years ago, we did youth camp, and we made fun of the iPhone. They had the iPhone 3, or, or they had iPhone 3 at the time, and we made this big thing, and it was called the iPhone 9. Remember that thing? I don't know if Barry's here. We made this thing big, the iPhone 9. Well, we're already at the iPhone 10. Everybody's got to have a gadget. Everybody's, it's covetousness, folks. It's covetousness. Do you ever look at yourself and go, Lord, I need to just camp a while and just confess some sin? How about being loud, dominating, angry all the time? Those are sins too. Lazy. I haven't preached on that in a while. 
unwilling to work to pay your own way. That is a sin. Much of our prayer should be admitting our sinfulness to God, naming our own sins, seeing them for what they are, as wicked, awful, repulsive to God. But there is also the need to forgive. Did you see that? Jesus said, if you won't forgive other people, I'm not going to forgive you. The truth is we hold a lot of grudges, many we're not even aware of. You know, we don't like it when somebody takes advantage of us, do we? Some, when somebody takes advantage of us, can you imagine somebody says, uh, can, I borrow, can I borrow 20 euros? You open your wallet and they take 200. <laughs> Come back here. That's taking advantage of you. And yet all of life is people taking advantage of you. And Jesus said, forgive them. Now don't trust them anymore with your money. <laughs> but you have to forgive them. Because why? If you don't, neither will God in heaven forgive you. Signs of unforgiveness when you are angry at the thought of just somebody else. When you desire for someone to suffer in the same way you've suffered. That's unforgiveness. When you refuse to pray for someone who hurt you or somebody who's better off than you and you will not bless them like Jesus commanded you to, then you are unforgiving. When you will not honor someone simply because you don't like them, and when you dis disrespect them, whether in their presence or behind their back, you know what that is? It's unforgiveness. Let me tell you, when you pray, you'll get nothing from God. Does that scare you? So what would really help as we work through, well, God, I, 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 it's easy to worship you. God, I'm learning to just desperately want your kingdom here. Oh, I'm struggling with your will. But now you're asking me to forgive. <laughs> Ow. Every time you pray, you need to say, Lord, is there anybody I got a problem with? Help me forgive them. Help me go up to them. And make things right. Because I want to be right with you. You know what's amazing? After all of that, then you can ask what you want. Look down in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Look down at verse 13. He says one other thing. He says, and lead us not a temptation, but deliver us from evil. We'll come to that in a second. But it's always the first thing on our minds, but it's the last on God's mind. Because he already knows what we need, doesn't he? God already knows what you need, so he doesn't need to be told what you need. He needs to be worshipped. He needs you to want what he wants, which is his kingdom here on earth. He wants you to seek his will. He wants you to forgive somebody. And then when you come and you have your needs and your wants and all your lists, he already knows what you're asking. You don't have to stand there for hours on all of that list. Be careful when your list is first in your prayer. What do you ask for? Daily bread. Ask for what you need today. You know, the, the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they wondered, we're going to have food. And the Lord said, don't worry. And he says, we're worrying. He said, okay, watch this. The next morning, they got up, and there was this white, fluffy stuff, kind of like cotton candy, but a little more gooey or like dough, spread all over the ground and on the grass. Moses says, go collect it up, put it in a pot, and 
mold it together and make bread out of it. It was bread from heaven. The Lord says, can I cook or can I cook? And they says, well, what about meat? We're kind of hungry for meat. We kind of, bread is kind of old. And so he made quail come in at three feet off the ground. And they just hovered around waiting for people to just start swatting them and knocking them out and collecting them, putting them in a pot. And they started cooking them. They were just eating away. The Lord says, can I cook? I'll take care of you. And he did that for 40 years. There's not a day that God didn't take care of them. And he actually did even a wilder miracle. On Friday, he said, I'll give you twice as much so you'll store it away and hold on to it through Saturday so you don't have to cook. And then on Sunday, you'll start all over again. And God took care of them. So when you pray, you don't need to pray for the next six weeks. Dear God, I need everything taken care of. No, you don't. Just say, Lord, teach me to rely on you today. And then ask for protection. Keep me out of trouble, Lord, is what he's saying. Because I love trouble. It's in my nature to be attracted to, to what this world shows. It's in my nature to be tempted. Lord, don't let me go that way. God does not tempt us, but he does test us and he does expose us. He puts us in situations where we have to choose between him and ourselves. You know, he, in the Garden of Eden, he made a perfect garden. Put Adam and Eve in there, and then he says, okay, go Adam, devil. Why did he do that? For them to see just how easy it is to choose other than God. So, Lord, please keep the devil away. Keep me from evil. Keep, keep him away. Keep him away from my kids. God, help us to make wise decisions. Help me be strong enough so the devil doesn't have my eyes or my heart or my words or my thoughts. You know what else you can pray for? Anything. I don't think there's anything that God would tell you not to pray for. Just be ready. He'll probably tell you no. <laughs> but pray about everything. Pray about everything. It's okay to pray about stupid things. I lost my keys again. Lord, you know where the keys are. Show me where the keys are. Amen. Amen. Pray. He knows where they are. Just ask him. <laughs> Pray about everything. You know, most people only pray if a tornado is coming in. Dear God, oh God, save us. Man, pray for simple things. Pray about everything. Dear God, start the car in the morning. <laughs> Amen. Pray about everything. But especially for the things you really need. I think we need to get to the place where when we've prayed for a while, we grow up and we start praying, Lord, give me contentment. Instead of things, 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 teach me to be content with what I have. Lord, I pray for a right spirit in my heart. I pray that I have a right attitude about everything. Forgive me where my attitude stinks. God, I pray for godly government. Do you ever think to pray that? On Wednesday nights when we meet, we pray for the Irish government. Yeah, we want them gone. But we pray for a better government. And you know what? God's not going to give us a better government until we pray for it. You ought to ask God for the courage to live as a Christian at work, at school, to shine as a light instead of being dark like everybody else. Pray about everything. Did you know there are three reasons why we can pray? It's there in verse 13, very briefly. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why can we pray? For thine is the kingdom 
in the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know what he says? We pray because God's in charge of the answer, not us. I wonder if I prayed right. I wonder if I prayed long enough. I wonder if I used the right words. It's up to God. In the end, just pray. Amen? In the end, just ask. Just talk to Him. Just communicate. Just cast your care upon Him. And say, Lord, I know you're going to take care of this. Because you're in charge. Amen? Second reason why you can pray. Because God's got the power to answer. <laughs> Do you know... With God, all things are possible. I love that. With men, these, these things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. I love Isaiah 59. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. The problem is your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And it's your sins that have hid his face from you that he will not hear. But if he hears, he can do anything. Jeremiah 4, 32 says, Behold, I am the Lord. The God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? Try me. Try me. Now, I'm not, listen, some of you guys go to uh, the gym, and I would never try to compete with you. I don't have to. Anyway. <clears throat> but have you ever, in the gym, ever been challenged by somebody who said, I bet you can't push 280. Oh, yeah, I can't, yeah, yeah. And you just, you want to prove that I can do it. You know, you can, I bet God you couldn't do this. I bet you couldn't save so-and-so. The Lord says, watch me. You need to start praying and saying, you know, Lord, I'm going to see how, how big you are. I'm going to pray big. I'm going to trust you big. Because you have all power. There's nothing you can't do. Third reason why we can pray is because God gets all the glory. You know, when you pray... You say, well, I'm real smart. I've got all these plans. I've got these schedules. I've got this money. I've got that. That won't get anything. You have God. And if you just pray, and if we pray for something and God answers, guess who gets all the glory? God does. That's why we pray. Because all we're doing is asking. And he gets all the glory. Those are some good reasons to pray, I think. In summary. Let me finish this up. Prayer is priority. It's what every believer needs to do. Prayer is more important than everything put together. You know when Jesus called the temple, when he walked into that temple and they were making money off of people trying to worship God, he threw those tables over, he threw those men out. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Priority of prayer. Make it a priority. Make a time when you purposely pray. Maybe you need to do it by your bedside. Maybe it's in your favorite chair with the door closed. Maybe it's at the breakfast table before anyone comes downstairs. But make sure you make it a priority. Make it personal. Heart to heart. Do you know you don't have to make sense when you pray? Thank God. Now you talk to me, I hope you make sense. When you talk to God, you can blubber all through it. You know what the Holy Spirit does? He translates. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Lord, she has no idea how to say it, but this is what she means. Amen. Groaning, sighing is just fine with God. Just make sure you use your emotions. Prayer is not analytical. It's not sensible. It's not sophisticated. It's not a mental exercise like math. It's 
I don't know what to say. I just need you. Casting all your care upon him. It's, it's emptying everything in your heart into his heart. That's cool. It's a constant conversation. I think we ought to be thought of as the strangest people on the planet. We already are. Because we talk to somebody we can't see. Amen. It ought to be a constant thing where, you know, if somebody's watching you and you start saying, Lord, I just love you. Thank you for giving me this job. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my church. Thank you for the Bible. And just need you today, God. Help me shine. Help me be an example of a Christian. People are going, who are you talking to? My best friend. And they think you got a ear thing in your ear and you're talking on the phone. <laughs> Prayer ought to be constant. Prayer ought to be a growing awareness. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you realize when you pray, the distance you have traveled is nearly infinite. You are, you are changing. When you close your eyes, you're changing from this address to there, and you're in, in front of the throne of God. And you become aware of Him. And all the kindness that you're accessing. There ought to be prayer, ought to be loads of confessing. You know, when you pray, it ought to be, Lord, make me right so that I can pray for others. There are times when people need us to pray, folks, and to be ashamed if we've got nothing but sin in us that blocks us. Make a couple of requests. I say couple because we'll spend more time coming up with all the things we need instead of, have I worshipped? Have I just prayed from my heart? Am, am I aware of who I'm talking to? Make a prayer list. Bring a few needs before God at a time. And then later in the day, bring some more needs. I have a, a, a prayer thing that I'd show you, but I just go through. I can't pray for them all. It takes me nearly about an hour and 20 minutes to pray through everything. Well, I pray for a while, and then later in the day, I'll pull them out, and I'll try to pray for the rest of them. I have a couple of requests. Absolutely believe. Sounds obvious, but most people pray out of duty. They pray words, but they don't know that God is actually hearing them, and they don't believe that he's going to answer them. Pray believing. Constantly forgiving. You know... God will bring to memory somebody and you go, I don't want to talk about them. I don't want to forgive them. And the Lord says, we can't go any further. But if you will constantly forgive, you'll be able. Do you know, you cannot love somebody. Is this how it says? You can't help but love somebody who you pray for. Let me put it that way. You can't help but love somebody who you pray for. And if you won't pray for somebody, there's no way you're going to love them. Amen? You've got to constantly be forgiving. Lastly, always accepting. Here's the last thought. You're going to spend time talking with an all-wise, all-good Heavenly Father. Trust His answer. There anymore. You don't need to complain when He doesn't give you what you want. <laughs> if He says no, you go, I trust you. If He doesn't answer, you go, I'll wait. Accept God's answers even when those answers are not what you want. 
Here's the conclusion. If you only prayed, you would know the peace that passes all understanding. I didn't actually read the verse, but Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing. Be full of care about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Why? Because the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart. You're never going to know that unless you pray. Peace that passes understanding, you can ask God for anything. If only you prayed, you could ask God for anything. You wouldn't be ashamed. And you would know that you can trust God with the answer. That's a pretty good way to pray. And by the way, did you know that Wednesdays is our time of, as a church to pray? Come on. We gather to make sure we go only a short period of time before we as a church come together and say, we've got to pray. We've got to pray for our nation. We've got to pray for our families. We've got to pray for our church. We've got to pray for souls. Because I'll be honest with you, we're losing the world. We're losing our momentum. We're losing our fire. And it's not going to come with a better pastor. It's not going to come with better facilities. It's not going to come with more money. It's going to come when we get down on our face. We say, God, we need you. We're not going to live until we have you. Wednesday's that day where you say, you know what, I'm tired. You know what, the kids are cranky. The wife's cranky. The car's cranky. But I'm going to church to pray. We need you here. Every one of you. It's church on Wednesday, just like it is on a Sunday. I know some of you got to work. I know some things got to, I know that. But let me tell you, if that's not something you want to do, the devil will be winner. Come together as a church. It's awesome. We need you here. Did you know one heart cry can save your soul? If you're not saved this morning, Romans 10, 13 says, all you have to do is cry out his name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How powerful is prayer? Would you stand with me and bow your heads? did my best father none more I can say except we need to pray and it's wonderful that we get to it's wonderful we don't have to do anything to impress you to get your attention you yearn you invite you ask for us do now and I ask that you would make this church a church of prayer. Yes, we want, I want this church to be a soul-winning church. I want this church to be a Bible-believing, Bible-studying church. I want this church to love preaching. I want this church to love sinners and saints. But God, all of that is secondary compared to the foundation of our walk with you and our closest to you and our time with you in prayer. And no wonder everything's falling apart. No wonder we're stuck because the foundation is gone. So, Lord, I ask you to help us. 
pray again. It'll be the most unexciting thing at first. It'll take the most effort and give us the least amount of payback. But if we do it for you, if we just spend time with you, our lives will shine, our lives will glow, our, our requests will be answered, our world will know the difference. It will shake the very foundation of the community around us if we pray. So make us prayer, people, please. If there's anybody in this room who has never cried out to you to be saved, right? Maybe realize it's just belief, not good works, not effort, just a heart cry for Jesus to save them. If anybody's not sure that they're saved, God, please let them talk to me so that they can talk to you. And if any Christian in this room has gotten cold in the Christian life, cold towards the Bible, God, convince them, show them, it's because we haven't prayed like we should. We haven't gotten on our face before you and said, sorry, Lord, please give me back the joy of my salvation. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.